Hi, my name is Lydia. And I'm Emma. And we're the hosts of Holy Ship. We are passionate about creating a space for women to talk about sexuality, their bodies, and all things relationships. We think that for so long, Christian spheres have often failed to address these topics with women in a healthy, shame-free, and open way. So welcome to Holy Ship, where we address all the taboo topics in a way that is honoring to you, your relationships, and God. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to Holy Ship. This week, we are joined by Tiffany Dawn, who is a YouTuber and author who shares the relationship advice she never heard while growing up in the church. She spent several years traveling around the United States, speaking at colleges, churches, and conferences. Now she's settled down in upstate New York with her husband and their two daughters. When she's not changing diapers and playing with her girls, she uses her YouTube, Instagram, and podcast to talk about how to have healthy perspectives on sex, dating, and faith. She's about to release her third book, Before the Ring, which is a pre-engagement workbook. It gives you tools to objectively measure the health of your relationship and see how ready you are for marriage. And it's now available for pre-order at tiffanydawn.net. And we are just so excited and honored to have you on the podcast. So welcome. Thank you. I am so excited to be here with you talking about one of my favorite topics in the world, (laughs) dating. (laughs) So pumped. Yes, it's going to be so great. Um, I think just like to start out, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself? And I guess if you want to like go straight into it, what your experience dating was like. Sounds good. Yeah. So I guess three things that I think are important to share about myself as we start is number one, I had this goal when I was a kid and my goal was to grow up, get married by the age of 20, then move overseas with my husband as a missionary and together be martyred or killed for our faith by age 25. So basically my goal was to not live very long. I just thought it sounded like the most amazing thing to be martyred with my husband. So that kind of is like the background of how I grew up. I grew up in, you know, that a very conservative church environment and um, hearing stories of martyrs and absolutely boy crazy looking for this guy who would be my husband. So the second thing that I think is important to know is I struggled with an eating disorder in college and as a young adult, and that really came out of an unhealthy relationship. And so I started struggling with that and that led into the kind of ministry I do now, which is so cool. Cause it's like, God just takes things that if we let him, he'll just take the things that we've been through and use them, like flip them around to help other people and to just bring life. And I think it's so cool. Cause like my eating disorder, I thought disqualified me from God, like ever working in my life. And instead it's kind of what launched this whole, like writing books, traveling and speaking, and now doing YouTube. So I think that's so cool. Um, and the third thing is that I'm an Enneagram one. So do you guys do the Enneagram at all? Oh yes. Yeah. (laughs) What are you guys? Lydia, are you, you're one, right? I'm a seven. You're okay. Wait, I knew that. I knew that. (laughs) My husband is a seven too. So yeah. It's a, it's a good partnership. We but need ones. Yeah. <laughs> and I need sevens. So well, I'm you? a three. So. <laughs> That's what my mom is. And I need her in my life too. So, okay. Yeah. So I'm an Enneagram one. So I have that tendency toward very black and white thinking and perfectionism. Part of the reason my husband's so good for me is he's the king of nuance and just noticing like all the layers to conversation. So a lot of what I talk about today 
the thing that I grew to understand dating differently is because of growing to understand nuance more instead of having such black and white thinking, but that is always a struggle for me. So those are the three things that I think are probably important to start off my, my story. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing. Would you mind like telling us how you went from like dating with this perspective to then like meeting your husband and how the process of dating went with him? Absolutely. So when I grew up, I had that very, you know, black and white thinking, like I said, and the first relationship I got into, I was 17 years old and I immediately started thinking like, is this the guy that I could marry? Like before we were officially boyfriend and girlfriend, I was already thinking like I could see myself with him work and like just moving so fast. But like, that's what I thought you were supposed to do. I thought that's what like dating intentionally was. You like immediately think 10 years down the road before you've even officially become a couple. And so I started getting just so serious, so fast with him. And there were a lot of warning signs in that relationship. And honestly, I just didn't even see them because I mean, he was a Christian. That's like the only advice I got growing up was like, find someone you share each other's faith. You're both Christians. And I was like, okay, I didn't know that like Christians could be crazy too. Like that doesn't mean someone's a good person. They can be crazy. So this guy, like he was not good for me. And there are all these signs and like looking back, I'm like, how did I not know that? Like when he's telling me you shouldn't be friends with that person. Cause they don't like me, that that's a huge warning sign. Like he's isolating you, you know, like how did I not know that when he's saying you need to step down from all the stuff you're doing because you're a woman and you cannot be leading the Christian group on campus. Like I, why did I not realize, you know, and to be fair, I had an amazing youth pastor and he actually told me, Tiffany, you are not yourself with this guy. Like, I think like you're becoming, you're like, you're not alive the way you normally are. Like, I don't feel good about this. And I didn't listen. So it's not like nobody said anything, but for the most part, the advice I got was like, you're both Christians, you know, like he's cool. He leads worship. Like he's got all the cool stuff. And that relationship just wrecked me. And again, my own fault in a sense, you know, like I was choosing to be in it, but like, I wish I had known how to have a healthy relationship. I wish I had known the warning signs to look for that someone had told me. And so as I came out of that, I remember just feeling so afraid of relationships. So afraid that every guy was going to be just like my ex-boyfriend who flirted with other women when we were on date nights and, you know, had these really weird ideas that like a woman, if she made a mistake, should get down and like apologize and call him master, like weird stuff. And like, I was so (laughs) scared, so scared to date another guy. Mm. And, um, I ended up confusing my fear a lot of times with thinking that it was God's voice and direction, almost like I'm afraid to date this guy. I feel like I'm going to throw up when I go on a date with him. That must be the Holy spirit instead of like, maybe that's my trauma. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) like, oh, I actually, I have a question. So you were saying like, how did I not know? Like, that these were warning signs, like in the moment were there. Um, and I know like the church preached to you, like if he's a Christian, like that's good. But were there some things that you were told like growing up, um, that ended up not being like conducive for a healthy relationship or were there things that 
not told that should have been told. Mm. Um, so that like, you're not looking back in retrospect and saying like, oh, how did I not see that? Yeah, that's such a good question. Um, I think the most damaging thing I was taught, maybe the word damaging is too strong, but the thing that steered me in the wrong direction the most was this idea that I need to be thinking that this is someone I can marry before I choose to date him. Like that is the worst advice you can give someone, especially a 17 year old who's never had a stinking boyfriend before. Like you don't know if this is somebody you could be with. You don't know what you're looking for. You don't know what you need, you know, like, and so this idea of like putting so much pressure on a relationship that isn't solid enough for that pressure and putting it on yourself. It was almost like setting yourself up for failure. And I think in that culture too, there was almost this idea. It was like this era when I remember opening our homeschool magazine and seeing Josh Harris's book, I kissed dating goodbye and thinking, Oh yeah. Oh, that's so scandalous. Like, (laughs) Whoa, kiss, you know? And I was like, maybe I'll save my kiss for my wedding. And like, there's just like, that's kind of the culture I grew up in. And so if you date someone and break up, it's almost perceived as like, you didn't really listen to God. Like you didn't really, there's this failure sense and gosh, like I am so thankful for my ex-boyfriends other than that first one, but I guess him too. But like, I'm so thankful (laughs) that I dated because I learned so much like about myself, about what I needed in a relationship, about God, about life. Like why did I see that as a failure? And why did I think I had to figure it out? Like, you can't know you want to marry someone until you know the person, you know, like we think we can. And I have thought I have, I mean, there were three different guys who I thought this is the one and I am not married to any of them. (laughs) And I did not think that with my husband, I thought I'm never going to see this crazy person again. And there I am seven years later, (laughs) married two kids, but it's just like, you can think, you know, but you can't know till you really know the person. So I think that to go back to your question was kind of the thing that steered me wrong. The most was that pressure to know right away. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I also think that like, like, I don't want to blame the church for this, but Mm -hmm. just because it's a Christian concept, like the romanticization of, you know, finding your one true love doing and like, that's it. And like, there's no, there's nothing bad that ever happens in life, like between Mm. meeting your soulmate and getting married and like, everything is like roses and so great. But I think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of, um, benefits to dating and like dating Mm -hmm. well for like everything that you mentioned. I'm not saying like go out and play every guy on the market, but (laughs) actually like go and and, and build relationships with people, um, before, you know, projecting like marriage onto someone else, even though that is a goal to keep in mind, it's not like that before actually creating a relationship Mm. with another person. I'm curious, how would you like, or like, what would your advice be for like dating and like, obviously like the ultimate end goal down the road is marriage, but then still dating to get to know someone, but then like, Mm. how long can you date after knowing you're like, yeah, probably not gonna marry this person. You know, Mm. that's a good question. The length of time is a really good question. You don't want to like, (laughs) yeah. Cause you don't want to like get let on and just like be in it forever. I had a friend who dated the guy for seven years only to be like, Oh, he's never going to marry me. And it's like, that's a lot of years. Yeah, Like that's a lot of investment. Yeah. So 
Okay. Let me come back to that for in one okay. second. I just want to go to something Emma said before I forget, because otherwise I will. You were saying like this idea of like doing it's all roses, like after you get married and my husband and I, when we did premarital counseling, it was a little different instead of traditional premarital, we found this mentor couple who'd been married like 35 years. They didn't know either of us real well. So they were very objective. We just like talked to them about marriage and our relationship. And the first thing on the first day we got together with them, one of the first things they told us was this, you guys have tried to do things right. Like you're both saving sex for marriage. You're trying to follow these different things you've taught growing up. You're both Christians, blah, blah, blah. They're like, we know a lot of young couples who follow all those things and think it will automatically make for a great marriage. And they're like, that's not how it works. This is not a do everything right. Have an amazing marriage. Like no matter what your background is or what you've done, you have to work for that. And I thought, wow, like subconsciously, you know, you have these expectations and you don't realize you even have them until they go unmet. And so I think a lot of us in the back of our is like, I did this right quid pro quo. Now God gives me this amazing marriage. It's all roses. And that's just not how it works. And when we have that expectation, it sets us up to be disappointed because marriage can, it's wonderful. I love being married. Part of that is who I married <laughs> and not marrying that first boyfriend marriage. I would not be saying it's wonderful, <laughs> but like, I, I think it's, you know, you, you do have to work at it. So a little aside based on what you said. Okay. But yeah. So how long do you go? I think there's like stages in a relationship and it's less about time frame and more about stage in my personal opinion because a lot of your time frame depends on like how old you are have you dated before are you in high school are you in your 30s you know like that makes a huge difference um your stage in life like can you afford to get married and live on your own not that you have to afford a big wedding but like do you are you financially independent like there's all these things that play into the time frame but I think there are different stages. Like you first, you're like getting to know somebody on some dates. And what my husband and I encourage people to do is just ask, just plain and simple. Do I want to see this person again? Cause I know when James and I started dating, um, we like re-met cause we'd, I'm trying not to get too off track here, but you know what? I'm just going to tell the story. We, <laughs> we knew each other as kids. Our dads actually were housemates with them and a couple other guys who all went to church together cool. and worked at the same company too, back before they met our moms. Like how crazy is that? That's so, <laughs> yeah. So my husband, James and I, like we knew each other as kids and I was a little older and I was really stuck up. So I was not interested in being his friend. I thought he was so annoying which he was. And so then like fast forward, we kind of lost touch, but I like would hear about him through the grapevine. Like my mom went to this barbecue and James was there and she came home and goes, Tiffany, do you know who would make the best husband James? And I'm like, really mom? Like he is not anywhere in my right on my radar. So we finally like reconnected randomly. I was traveling and speaking and I needed insurance to speak at certain colleges. They like require like you to have your own liability insurance. Cause I'm talking about eating disorders and all this stuff. They don't want to get sued anyway. So my husband's working in insurance and I call up his boss, who's a friend of my dad's. And I'm like, can you help me get this? He's like, let me have you talk to James. And so I'm like, James, I remember him. So we like get on the phone and he's like, Hey, you're like kind of new back to the area after being away for a while. Do you want to come to a, you know, a weekly dinner and game night that I have with my friends and not thinking anything romantic, just like he loves connecting people. He's a seven on the Enneagram and he loves people. So I was like, sure, I'll come like two days before that I get this haircut 
And um, they're supposed to cut my bangs, but they did it like completely butchered it zigzag. And I got out to my no. car. I looked in the mirror. I almost cried. And I prayed, dear God, do not let me meet my future husband looking like this that night or like two nights later, I went and met James at this game night. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> anyway, so when we started dating, I almost forgot where I was going with all that. When we started dating, um, we just, at first we thought we weren't interested. And so it was different than the other guys that I dated or the other girls he dated, because we'd always gone into it thinking we're pretty interested in this person. Like we've observed them from afar. We might not actually know who they are, but we think we do. And we're interested, but like with each other, it was kind of like, I'm intrigued, but I don't know if I'm interested. I don't know what I think about this person. And so the way James thought of it was just, do I want to see her again? Yes or no. Like, otherwise it's just too confusing to figure out. And that took a lot of pressure off. So we encourage people, you know, in that getting to know each other, like you're not officially boyfriend, girlfriend, you've just gone on a date or two, like give it some time. Cause like the first date, probably not being totally themselves. It's awkward. There's a lot of pressure. Just give it a chance. Maybe do a second one. If he seems like a decent human being and just ask like, do I want to see him again? So then like we get into an actual relationship and we didn't talk about anything in the future for, I want to say like three months. And that's pretty short time. We were both in our late twenties. We dated other people, but that actually, that idea came from my mentors because when I, a few years prior to that, I had started dating this guy. And they said, Tiffany, you're always getting ahead of yourself in your head. Like you need to slow down, be in the moment, just get to know him. You don't have to figure the future out. And they told me in that relationship, I was a few years younger. They said, take six months and do not talk about the future. Just get to know each other. Just see what this person is like, how you interact, like if it's healthy and then talk about the future and see just like, do we want to get more serious? Not do we want to get married, but just this next step. Do we want to get more serious. And so James and I kind of took that same advice, even though the time frame was different, but that the stages were there. Um, so just cause you got to know each other before, you know, like, do I want to get more serious? So then after three months, James and I went on to the next stage and we said, okay, we really like each other. There's a lot of potential. Let's start talking about like, if we were to stay together, what would that look like? Like, what are our deal breakers? What are, you know, like for him, he was like, I really want a bunch of kids. And so different things like that, just talking through it. And then we ended up saying, we want to do this. We talked to people we trusted is, do you think it's wise if we get engaged? Like, do you see any red flags? And then we got engaged and married. But I think kind of like pacing yourself with those stages can be different lengths of time, but those stages I think are helpful to have there. Does that kind of answer your question? Yeah, no, that was yeah? awesome. Okay. okay. So I think for me, like starting to heal with my mentors was huge. Mm -hmm. Like to kind of go from that first boyfriend, like I knew you'd asked about that earlier to James, it was really like, I had to heal from that. Like all this sense of like fear over relationships led to me just anytime a guy was interested, I wanted to vomit all over him. And I was so scared. And like, I just look back like Sure. Like the Holy spirit can like convict you like, okay, this isn't a safe person, but then there's another level where it's like, this is like your past. This is your past trauma for lack of a better word, or just like, you know, your past hurts and insecurities and they get triggered. Something's touching them, something similar. you got to work through that so that you're free to actually be in a healthy relationship someday. So I started meeting with mentors and 
after James and I got married, I started seeing a professional counselor because more insecurities started coming up that I thought I had dealt with, but it's like layers of an onion. You peel one off and there's another, and there's another. And so, um, yeah, I feel like that was a huge part of getting from first boyfriend to James was therapy mentors. We say that on our podcast too. Oh, sorry, Lydia. I was just going to say how we talk about how mentorship and Mm -hmm. therapy are like super essential. Yeah. Part of the reason why we started this to begin with is because conversation is so healthy and yeah. But anyway, sorry, Lydia, go ahead. So what you were going to say. No, I was just going to say, I'm really glad you brought up like the discerning versus trauma Mm. because I feel like that was something I struggled with for so long because I would like go on a date and be like immediately like, nope, nope, got it, can't do it. Yeah. Absolutely not. And people would be like, yeah. oh yeah. I was like- going to bring that up. <laughs> people like and- applaud you. They're like, yeah, they're oh like, my you're goodness. like discerning, like yes. good job listening to the Holy Spirit, blah, blah, blah. Right. But then I started to realize, I'm like, this is happening with like every guy. Like, I yeah. feel like there's something more here. Yes. And yeah. as I like started going to counseling, my counselor's like, maybe, maybe you haven't, <laughs> um, you know, really worked through all your trauma. And yes. like, that's what's coming up. And I was like, that makes a lot of sense other than mm. like, you know, God slamming the door on every single guy that I go. Right. Um, totally. But yeah. But like, it Good took like you. a lot of work and like, even now, like I still struggle with that, but I feel like I can recognize it mm. more. Yeah. Like, it's just hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good for you. Babe. We like to hear that though. I know lots of women who are not willing to even consider that, you know, and that makes it really hard. It, it you know, it's hard to find a relationship if you won't go out with anybody. It's just mm-hmm. like, but it's sad I think there's that we definitely two it. extremes going on in our mm. world right now. Like, I think there's, that's funny that it, uh, that Lydia brought the ick up. Cause I've, I've been seeing that a lot is like women just don't want to date at all because it's like either, you know, bringing up past trauma or like, it's just something they don't like. And so they won't even approach it, approach mm. dating. And then there's the ex- other extreme of being so determined to find someone that you're just going out on dates all the time. And it's so easy and accessible now mm-hmm. with like a phone, like you just Uber eat a date. Yeah. And, yeah. and there's like the middle ground is becoming mm-hmm. like increasingly harder to find and like point out. I just think it's wild what's going on. That's just, yeah, it's sense. interesting. Yeah. Cause I know like one of my friends was saying, the one thing I regret about high school is I always had to have a boyfriend. I was never right. okay. Just being just me. And she's like, I wish I had been just me for a little while. And I mean, that middle ground will look different for everybody, but like to be okay with being with just you is so important too. Mm-hmm. I was kind of laughing inside though, because when I went, <laughs> when James and I went on our first official date, I had dates with three other guys that week too. <laughs> Because I was like, I got, I had this like idea in my head, like none of them are going to work out. So why am I going to waste my time waiting (laughs) to see if one of them works out when I could do four in a week or maybe it's three in a week and just get it all over with. You were in stage one though. So that's okay. (laughs) Exactly. There was no (laughs) commitment involved to any of them, but I was laughing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's too funny. So I'm curious to know, what do you think the Bible teaches about healthy dating and relationships, um, before marriage? Mm. And then, um, obviously in marriage, you can, uh, talk about that too, if you'd like. Um, but yeah, just curious to know your thoughts. 
there are so many things I want to say right now. Um, okay. So the first thing I'll say is this, I was meeting with my counselor and talking with him and he goes, you know, people tell me he, he used to be a pastor. Now he and his wife speak at marriage conferences. He's a psychologist. He's a grandfather. So wise. James sees him too. We love him. Anyway, that's who he is. So he, he kind of knows his stuff and he goes, people always tell me I want a biblical marriage. And I say to them, have you read the Bible? Like, do you want to be like Abraham and Sarah where he like farms her out to the king to keep himself safe? Or do you want to be like David and Bathsheba? And like, he's like, have they seen the marriages in the Bible? And I was like, dude, that is like crazy to think about. I've never thought about that before, but really like you look at the Bible, it's like a reflection of our human story. Mm-hmm. And obviously got it work in it, but like, there's not a ton of very specific, like, here's what a healthy marriage looks like much less. Here's what a healthy dating relationship looks like. And so there's not a ton of like very specific stuff in it. And the things that are specific, I think are sometimes taken out of context, almost like one of the things that I think is taught as being biblical advice for marriage is taking some passages very literally. So for example, um, in Ephesians five, it talks about husbands and wives. And if you look at that passage, um, you can take it the way my first boyfriend did, which was literally, it says wives should call their husband master. Uh, that's not in Ephesians five, but you know, wives should call their husbands master like Sarah did in the old days with Abraham. And like, so he's like, well, it says it like you should call me master. And so he like literally thought like, this is a biblical marriage. So there's a lot of things taught that I think are, in my opinion, unhelpful. So there's actually this amazing book called the making of biblical womanhood with Beth Allison Barr. And she digs, have you guys read that book? Yeah. So good. (laughs) Gosh, it is a game changer. So she talks about how like there's this idea, like sometimes we're looking at the Bible, just like this black and white Enneagram one (laughs) way of looking at it. Like, here's what the words on the page say. We apply that exactly as written to us today. Whereas it was written for us, but it was not written to us. It was written to a specific people at a specific place at a specific time in a specific language that was not ours. And so she talks in her book about Ephesians five being like a Christian spin on the Roman household codes. And it was revolutionary in its time because it was making people making women like real people who are loved and cared about instead of property. And so when we take that for face value in our culture, we're missing the intent. We're missing like it's original intent inspired by God and making it something else entirely. So I think sometimes all that to say sometimes, and you know, you can interpret that different ways. And I have a whole podcast episode talking with a professor at Wheaton college about Um, women in the church. And it's fascinating her just digging into these passages and what they mean. But she said, you know, you can have a healthy marriage, believing in complementarianism or egalitarianism, but either way, she's like healthy marriages end up playing out more like a partnership and not a power dynamic. And so I think sometimes Mm -hmm. in church, what we're taught as biblical is actually not the intent of scripture and very harmful if we take it the wrong way. So um, I think we have to be careful that what we're teaching is really the God's heart for women and not us misunderstanding because we live 2000 years later, speak another language and women are treated differently today. So, okay. That's my little, I guess, soapbox. (laughs) 
so the best answer you could give. Yes. Okay. Good. Great. <laughs> I was like, oh. so uh, some other things that I have a whole list here. I'm trying to decide what to do next. Um, one of the other things that I think we are taught in church that I think is not biblical is the idea of pursuit. I hear all the time women say, I only want a man to pursue me. I won't ask a guy out. I won't do any sort of pursuit. I'm waiting here. And I relate to that. Like for a long time, I thought I could sit in my house and one day the doorbell would ring and it would be this guy wrapped in a box and like two Tiffany from God contains the one, like I could just stay (laughs) home and it would happen, you know? And like, that's what I expected. And so a lot of, I hear a lot of women saying like, I'm waiting for my Boaz. I'm waiting for my Boaz. Do you guys hear that too? Is it yes. just me? Maybe I follow the wrong. Yeah. Piece, but no, that's popped up on my TikTok mm-hmm. once or twice. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, TikTok, gotta love it. Yeah. My husband's addicted, but so they're like waiting for my Boaz. And I'm like, ladies, Ruth was not waiting. Like, <laughs> this is not the story of Ruth and Boaz. Like she went out and uncovered a stinking feet. Like, come on, go ask that guy out. Go try online dating. Go ask friends to set you up. Like it's okay. Pursuit needs to be mutual and it happens over time. So pursuit, like if one person is pursuing and the other is not, no matter which side it is, it's not a healthy relationship. That's a power imbalance. But you can no matter who asked the other person out first, you see if the other person's pursuing you over time. It's not necessarily an instant thing. That's it's so like, true. are you both pursuing each other over time? That's what makes a healthy marriage. So that's another thing I think we're taught that's not biblical and not healthy or helpful. Um, mm-hmm. Just stop me if you have anything to say, because I'll just, like I said, I'll just keep going. <laughs> no, this is like gold. I love okay. this. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Um, let's see. I think sometimes it's less about what is taught and more about how it's taught. So let's talk about premarital sex here. I think the idea of saving sex for marriage, I love, I think I'm a huge fan of that. My husband and I both saved sex for marriage. We are so glad we did. And, you know, at the time, the reason we saved sex is because we were like, this is a way to honor God. Now though, looking back, we can kind of see the fruit of it. And I'm a big fan of like paying attention to the fruit of things that you see. Um, and so what we see looking back is for a few things, one being in dating, I would have totally had sex with him. Like date number two, I'm not even joking. I was like, there was a lot of chemistry there and I would just, I would have gone all in right away, but except for this, I decided to save sex for marriage and that forced us to take it slow. and. That is what physical intimacy, I think, I think that's something so beautiful about it. Cause it's not an on off switch. It's like a dimmer switch. You're like slowly building. And so instead of jumping all in, it was like, it forced us to take things slower. And looking back, I, we like, remember how special that time was like, yeah, you're living in this tension of, I really want to get in bed with you. I also really want to honor God. And that's a good place to be in that tension because you want to be attracted to them. You also want to honor God, you know, but I think living, like looking back, it was just so special to have that time of dating when it was like, it was just really special. And then when we got married, there's no pressure to perform and be good enough at sex right away. Or he's going to like break up with me. Cause it's like, we're in this together. Like it's a learning curve and like, we get to do it together. And it just took a lot of pressure off for both of us. So like, to me, looking back, the fruit of it is beautiful and it was a gift and I would do it again, a hundred percent. But I think So I think, you know, encouraging people, this is a a legitimate option to save sex for marriage. People actually do this and are glad they did. I'm all for that. But I think the way we talk 
talk about it in church can be toxic. So for example, this idea of saying, save yourself for marriage. I actually just started a YouTube video on this this week. Cause I'm like, I hate when people say that, like I have said it myself, but like save yourself for marriage. So first off you're equating yourself with sex. So you, your identity is your sexual history or lack thereof. Like that is just complete crap. Like that is just not right. That is not God's heart for us. We need to let go of that. And also like, it gives this idea that we have to be emotionally unavailable because we're saving ourselves instead of being fully present in relationships. Um, and so I think the way we talk about it, like I remember as a teen going to this big conference and everyone signed purity pledges and I got a purity ring and they're like this many teens came down to the front and signed a purity pledge. And looking back, I'm like, could we talk about something that matters a little more? Like, look how much God talks about this in scripture. Now look how much he talks about justice. Like there's a huge disconnect. Like, why are we <laughs> acting like this is the biggest issue when it is just not in the scripture? So I think like we idolize it. We overemphasize it to the detriment of other things. And that turns it toxic. And it becomes this sense of our worth as a wife, as a woman. And, um, it just becomes super unhealthy. So it's not so much again, what's taught it's how it's taught and how overemphasized it can be. Mm -hmm. So, um, <laughs> what'd you say? I said, I couldn't agree more. Oh my goodness. It drives me nuts. Yeah. I'm trying to see if there's anything else on my list. I wanted to say, okay, two final thoughts on this question. <laughs> Please. Uh, so one is this idea of happy versus holy. So there's this book that says God didn't design marriage to make us happy, but to make us holy. Have you guys heard that too? Is this, maybe this is more like Older I feel like maybe vaguely. Okay. It sounds familiar, but I don't like, know okay. I've, like heard it. Recently. So my priest told me this. Okay. Okay. Yeah. My so priest is also my dad, but oh. he always said <laughs> God does not, you know, he cares less. I mean, he cares about your happiness, but he cares less about your happiness than he does mm. holiness. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I gotcha. So there's this book and my mentors had told me about it and it's all about this idea. And I remember reading that and thinking, but I want to be happily married. Like, why are you saying that that doesn't matter? Mm -hmm. And I don't think mm -hmm. that's actually what the person was intending to say. I think it kind of came across because my husband likes to say no tagline is nuanced. Every tagline is black and white because it's too short to be nuanced. And I'm like, okay, you're right. You're right. Enneagram number one. But <laughs> he was saying like the I, I get what he's saying in the book. Like it's you, no one person can fill your happiness. If you're looking to your spouse to just make you happy forever, you will never be satisfied. Like you will always be looking for something new and our sanctification is so important to God. But I also think it's such a picture of God's heart for us when we have a happy and healthy marriage. Like you look at the example of Christ and the church like the, if, if marriage, like Paul says, is like the picture of Christ in the church to the rest of the world. Like, do you think they want to, God wants us to be showing, like, I really hate my marriage, but at least I'm being made more like God, you know, like, is that really the picture of like Christ and the church who like love each other and want to be together and are happily together? You know, like I think a happy and healthy marriage is such a testament to God's heart for us as his kids and as his church. And so I think 
we need to kind of like sometimes think these things through a little more in like Christian circles. And I'm sure I'm going to look back in 10 years and be like, Tiffany, you should have thought through a bunch of stuff. You said a whole lot more too, but I think we just need to like get a little more nuanced to this stuff. Mm -hmm. And then the final thing I was going to say is I think a biblical marriage, while there's no like explicit definition in the Bible, I think it's this opportunity to love and be loved. And that's the essence of the gospel, both to open ourselves up to love, which for me is like a really hard thing to have that kind of vulnerability and intimacy. But it's like this opportunity to open ourselves up to be fully seen and fully known and fully loved and to see and know and love someone else that way too. And that mm-hmm. is a picture of the gospel. And so I think relationships are very much about growing in love and sharing life together. So, okay. I think that's everything Amen. on my list. <laughs> oh, that was that all is so great. The best you guys list. are so encouraging. Awesome. 100%. I was telling James, I'm like, is this too many things? And he's like, I ah, just bring them all with you. <laughs> he was right. Wise okay, man. Good, good. good. <laughs> as, as we like come to a close, we like to ask all of our guests for um, their best piece of advice um, or encouragement or share like any resources that they want to. And you're just this wealth of knowledge and Aww. have such great perspectives. We'd love for you to give one, maybe like a piece of advice to people who are dating and then like share some resources that helped you or, yeah, are, you know, very influential in your life now. Definitely. So, okay. Here's my piece of advice. When I started dating James, I remember going on a walk and praying and I felt like all I could pray about was him and just like thinking about James, couldn't stop thinking about James. And finally I said, God, I am so sorry. I'm this terrible Christian. I cannot stop thinking about this guy. I'm like, I must be idolizing him or something. And I just felt like God was whispering in my heart, like, just share it with me. Like this delight in his kid with this joy she had and just wanting her to share it with God. And I think that that is something we need to keep in mind. Now I'm a mom of two girls. And when I see them enjoying their life, I'm not thinking they're idolizing their toy or like they shouldn't be so happy. It like brings such joy to my heart to see them enjoying life and hearing their giggles. And so I think like, instead of being so concerned with being so serious, I'm not sure how else to say it. I think we need to just remember like God wants his kids enjoying life. I really believe that. And of course he's going to protect us if we're giggling and running into the middle of the road when there's a car coming, you know, but like he just, I really think he just loves when we are enjoying life. And when that's a boyfriend or whatever, just to share that with God, if we were idolizing it, we'd want to share it apart from God. We want to keep it to ourselves and run. But if we can share that with God, that is a really good sign. And so for me in that, on that walk, I started just praying, okay, well, God, you know this, but I'm going to tell you anyway, cause I'm excited. So there's this guy I started dating and I mean, he's awesome and this and this, and it just was so special to just share that with God. And so that would be my advice to just like, enjoy the journey. It is hard. There are so many questions. There's so much tension sometimes that you're living in, but try to enjoy it and just share that enjoyment with God. So that'd be my advice. Um, uh, as far as resources, um, so I'm going to do two plugs for resources I've created just because they're things that I wished I had had. And that's why I made them. So one is my book before the ring, which is coming out really soon. It's like you said, a pre-engagement workbook, and it basically is looking at 25 conversations on topics you need to talk about before getting married to somebody. And it walks you through with like quizzes, checklists, journaling prompts to figure out 
is our relationship healthy? Like, are we objectively just to have that objective perspective and figure out, are you healthy? Another one is called the wedding night talks. And that is an amalgamation of resources about sex. So there are 10 videos that James and I do together. Most of them we do together talking about like, here's a non-awkward sex talk. Cause we never got one growing up and here's like how to help it not hurt. Here's what you can do. Here's what you pack for your honeymoon. Here's like the things you got to make sure you bring like, um, what are boundaries in marriage, like a bunch of stuff like this. So those you can find links for on my website, tiffanydawn.net. Um, as far as like women's, I think it's so important for us to understand the biblical perspective on women. And so that book, The Making of Biblical Womanhood by Beth Allison Barr, I highly recommend. Another book that's huge for relationships and sex um, is Sheila Gregor's book, um, The Great Sex Rescue. And she did this survey of 20,000 women. Um, it's like this extremely well thought out, true research that we've not seen in Christian books about relationships and talks about what a healthy relationship looks like. I highly recommend that single dating or married. Um, also, um, the book boundaries, I think is really good. Ah, those are all great. Mm -hmm. I can personally vouch for the making of biblical womanhood. Yeah. It's (laughs) so so good. So good. Yeah. I read that. I was like, this changes everything. So good. Well, thank you everyone for listening to our episode with Tiffany. We hope that you were just able to soak in all of that information that she gave us and all that great advice. As always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can DM us on Instagram at theholyship.podcast or email us at theholyship.podcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like to subscribe, like, or leave a comment or review on our podcast, we'd be so appreciative. So we hope you all have a great week.